you pray with me? God, may the words of my lips and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In case you've missed it, our theme this Advent season is How Does a Weary World Rejoice? When the creators of A Sanctified Art, the company that created this theme, were dreaming up what the theme for Advent would be six months ago, they didn't have a crystal ball or a way to look into the future to see what the world would look or feel like when Advent began. But unfortunately, in this day and age, it isn't out of the question to build a theme around weariness back in the summer, and for that theme to still be relevant when Advent finally rolls around. As Pastor Jim pointed out last week, weariness isn't a new emotion that we are experiencing for the first time. It has been part of the human experience from the very beginning. But our Advent theme does not just focus on weariness. Our theme acknowledges that this time of year, it is an emotionally charged season, and the full scope of emotions is being felt. Isolation and connection, fear and trust, disbelief and joy. And the opening chapters of the Gospel of Luke remind us again and again that the world that the Christ child was born into was messy and complicated and imperfect, just like the people who filled that world and just like the people and the world that we are a part of today. But the promise of Advent is that hope, peace, joy, and love can be found even in the midst of difficult circumstances. The promise of Advent is that even in a weary world, joy can be found. Our scripture passage this week picks right up where we left off last week. We know that Elizabeth and Zechariah have been told that they will have a son who will be filled with the Holy Spirit and who will transform the lives of many people. We know that Zechariah verbally wondered how this was possible, and I'm sure Elizabeth wondered this as well. And Zechariah is so stunned that he can no longer speak. And Elizabeth chooses to respond to this news by remaining secluded. Verse 25 tells us that Elizabeth does believe that it is because of God that she is able to have a child. And yet her behavior says something different. She is choosing to isolate herself instead of finding ways to connect with her community. I wonder why Elizabeth chose to respond to this angelic news the way that she did. I can imagine that she was probably cautiously hopeful about this pregnancy. I'm sure that she was weary of holding on to hope only to have months pass by with no sign of her having a child. I'm sure she was weary of traveling down the street and seeing the glances and hearing the whispers of her neighbors as she wandered through town without a child by her side. I'm sure that even being told by an angel that she would have a son, that Elizabeth still remained a little guarded, that she didn't allow herself to fully believe that this time it would be different. She had been carrying years and years of individual shame 
but also communal shame that she and Zechariah were childless. And now, if the angel is right and she is pregnant, that doesn't necessarily mean the whispers and speculations are going to go away. The theme of them is just going to change. Being pregnant is exhausting enough without having to deal with people who are giving unsolicited advice or asking you to share just one more time. Now, tell me what the angel said. I can imagine that even in the midst of this cautious excitement that Elizabeth's had, she was still fearing, feeling a weariness that very few people in her world would understand. And so maybe that is why Elizabeth decided to keep to herself and to stay secluded. Our passage then transitions from the elderly Elizabeth to young Mary. And just like her relative, Mary receives a visit from an angel who gives her some unbelievable news. She too will have a son who will be filled with the Holy Spirit and who will transform the lives of many people. She too wonders how this is possible given her current status. And I'm sure she is concerned about what people will say as she walks down the streets of town as an unmarried pregnant woman. But then the angel gives Mary a gift, a gift that Mary may not have known that she needed. The angel tells Mary that her older relative Elizabeth is now six months pregnant. Now, whether or not Mary already knew this information is unclear, but in verse 39, it says that once the angel left her, Mary got up and her next step was to go and visit her relative in the Judean hillside. From what tradition tells us, Elizabeth and Zechariah lived in the town of Ein Karem, and Mary lived in Nazareth. Now these two towns are about 80 miles from each other, and it would not have been an easy journey for Mary to make whether she was pregnant or not. But nevertheless, she gets up and she begins her journey. We don't know why Mary chose to leave her community and to go see Elizabeth. We aren't privy to her inner thoughts as she makes the journey. It could be that she thought it might be easier for her to spend the early months of her pregnancy in a town where people didn't know her. They didn't necessarily know that she was not yet married when pregnant. And this way she could avoid the whispers as she walked down the streets of town. But I also have to wonder, if when the angel told Mary that Elizabeth was also pregnant by divine intervention, if Mary felt a tug in her spirit to go see Elizabeth. These two women, in normal circumstances, have more differences than similarities, but in an instant, they were joined by their unusual circumstances. Who else could Mary talk to about this unbelievable news delivered by an angel than someone else who received unbelievable news delivered by an angel. And so Mary arrives at Elizabeth's doorstep, and Elizabeth lets her in. Mary may have been the first visitor that Elizabeth, Elizabeth welcomed into her home in months. And when Mary greets Elizabeth, Elizabeth's not-yet-born child leaps for joy. And Elizabeth was the first person to bless and honor Mary as the mother of God. When Eliz Elizabeth may have been happy to see Mary, but we can also tell that there was something stronger than happiness 
happening between them. That something that connected them, that joined them, was joy. Have you ever thought about the difference between happiness and joy? Because the two emotions are connected, but they are indeed different emotions. Happiness is a feeling that lasts only as long as the moment that you are in, and it doesn't linger much longer than that. Happiness occurs when you have a positive reaction to a specific moment or situation, like eating your favorite foods or running into a friend when you don't expect to, or maybe doing well on an assignment in school. Happiness is a selfish feeling in the sense that it is based on your personal preference. What makes me happy is not necessarily what makes you happy and vice versa. So when we say that happiness is selfish, I'm not saying that happiness is wrong. It's just that happiness is more about me as an individual than it is about two people or a group of people. But joy, on the other hand, is a deeper and a stronger emotion. It usually involves something or someone bigger than you, like seeing somebody you love finally accomplish a goal they've been working towards for a long time or spending time with a friend that you have known for decades, or being in a place that feels like home. Author Brene Brown says that joy is an intense feeling of deep spiritual connection. And that is exactly what is happening in our story with Mary and Elizabeth. These two women are face to face for the first time since their angelic visits, and their connection is so powerful that it spreads to more than just their faces. They feel it deep in their souls. Elizabeth can't help but bless Mary. And just a little spoiler alert for worship in a couple of weeks, Mary receives Elizabeth's blessing and her response is to preach and prophesy as she praises God. This joy-filled reunion leads these two women to not only connect more deeply with one another, but also with God. When Mary arrived on Elizabeth's doorstep, I'm sure she was weary. Not just weary from her travels, but weary from carrying this news of her pregnancy. Weary from thinking about what she would do next, how Joseph would respond. Weary from imagining how in the world she was going to be the mother of a child, let alone mother of the Son of God. What does that even mean? Where's the parenting book on that? We've already talked about the weariness that Elizabeth was feeling, and I'm sure she sees weariness reflected in the eyes of her younger relative when she opens the door and finds Mary standing there. And yet, these two women don't respond or spend their time together by comparing the worst thing that was said by a well-meaning neighbor story, but instead they rejoice with one another. This might be the most powerful thing about joy. It can be present in the midst of difficult and hard situations, and it can hold its own. Happiness can slip away once a moment has passed or once a situation has changed, but joy is always present. It is at the core of who we are as humans, and joy is always ready to break through, even in the hardest and darkest of times. Joy can exist alongside other emotions, and it doesn't have to sacrifice itself. In fact, when you experience joy in the midst of another intense emotion, 
joy becomes all the more powerful. If you have seen the Disney movie Inside Out, you already know this. And if you have not seen the movie Inside Out, your homework is to watch it as soon as you can and to make sure you have a box of tissues at your side. Joy is an intense emotion. And when Mary and Elizabeth come together, even in the midst of their weariness, it is joy that they experience. They may have felt glimmers of joy on their own, Mary in Nazareth or as she was traveling, Elizabeth as she sat in her home, but this joy shifts from being a glimmer of joy to a burst of joy once they are together. This is a good reminder for us who find ourselves in the midst of a weary season. It is okay to feel angry or sad or scared. These are all emotions that we experience, and just because the world around us this time of year is telling us to be merry and bright, that doesn't mean that our feelings of sadness or fear or of anger can just be put on pause or that they disappear. We know that when we are weary, it can be hard to experience joy. And it is even harder if we are like Elizabeth and we are isolating ourselves. But the joy that Elizabeth and Mary experienced didn't happen because Mary wrote a letter to Elizabeth to tell her that she too was pregnant. It happened because the two women were face to face with one another and they could experience the delight on each other's faces. This delight transformed into joy when the women had a connection of their souls. As individuals, they brought weariness into the house. But as individuals, they were also able to set their weariness aside as they rejoiced with one another. The ability to find joy in the midst of weariness is the type of joy that God wishes for each of us. God wishes for us to have a joy that brings us together, to share in that joy with one another. God does want us to be happy, but more than that, God dreams of us being joyful. One of the best ways we can find that joy is finding connection with one another. These connections provide an opportunity for us to expand and increase our joy in ways that are only limited by our imaginations. It is so much easier for us to look at another person and to see the differences that they have from us. But if we do that, we aren't leaning into the joy that God wishes for the world. Instead, we are opening up the door to isolating ourselves instead of inviting another person in and taking the chance that we will encounter joy in unexpected ways. Elizabeth wasn't sure what she would encounter when she answered her door that day. Mary didn't know how Elizabeth would respond when she saw Mary standing on her front porch. But these two women allowed themselves to be connected in their joy for one another, and their lives were transformed. As we go through this Advent season and as we live in the midst of a weary world, may we be like Mary and Elizabeth. May we open the door when opportunity knocks. May we open ourselves up to finding connection with others and be prepared for joy to break through our weariness so that we may go out into the world rejoicing. We find joy in connection, and these joyful connections, my friends, can help our weary world rejoice.